If you love the blue and white like we do, and you like to stay up to date on what's going on around Ripley High School athletics, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and turn on your notifications. episode 38 of Viking 360. In this episode, we'll talk Lady Viking volleyball. We'll talk boys and girls soccer teams. Also, the cross-country team, both boy and girls teams, have big event coming up this weekend. And we'll talk Viking football as they look forward to the St. Albans game, as well as they sit down with a former Viking legend, a three-sport star, Kenny Skeen. Lady Viking volleyball team coached by Brenda Moore stands at 12-5-3 on the season. Hear from standout senior Tori Heinzman as she has this conversation with Mike Rubin. All right, we're talking on Viking 360 with Lady Viking volleyball senior Tori Heinzman. Tori, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for, thank you for inviting me. And tell us about uh, your how many years you've been with the volleyball program here at Ripley High. At Ripley High, I've been here for four years following my three years at Ripley Middle. And what is it that you do for Lady Viking Volleyball? Um, I'm the libero, which is like a defensive specialist. We only play in the back row. And what are the key responsibilities of that position? Um, definitely getting the first pass up after serve receive and after a hit. We need to get the first pass up so they can set and hit also. And what else do you do at uh, Ripley High? Are you involved in any other sports or clubs, activities? Um, in the spring, I play softball. I'm the second baseman. Um, in school, I'm involved in YLA. This is my first year. I am the vice president of NHS, which is National Honor Society, and I'm in Rho Kappa and Mu Alpha Theta. So obviously, you make good grades. Yes. And what is it that you would like to do after high school? After high school, I plan to attend WVU and study exercise physiology. All right. Tori, thank you so much for being with us, and good luck with the, uh, with the spike in vice. Thank you for having me. She's the leader of the Pride of Jackson County, and she sits down to talk about the big event coming up this Saturday with Mike Rubin and the Viking Band. Our guest on Viking 360 is the leader of the Pride of Jackson County, the Viking Marching Band, Mrs. Jeanette Bowlby. Jeanette, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And congratulations already. <laughs> you already have one grand championship uh, thank you. under your belt. And this week, uh, we're not eligible for prizes, yet it's a big event nonetheless. We are the exhibition band, and we will do our show for our community just like we do every Friday night. So what happens at a band festival? Band festivals are made up of groups of bands based on how many playing members are in the band. So this Viking Fest has four different or, uh, levels. We have smaller bands all the way to larger bands. And they compete within their group, and then they compete against each other for the grand champion. 
And understand that there will be about 16 bands here on Saturday. Yes, we have 16 bands coming from all over West Virginia, and then we're the exhibition band at the end. And what are some of the things that the judges are looking for Ooh. during a band festival? That's a great question. We have a marching and maneuvering judge looking at their feet and the, the direction they go on the field. We have a general effect judge who's looking at the overall effect that the, the show has on the audience. And we have a music judge who actually judges how well they play the music. Then there's a guard judge for the flag corps, a majorette judge for the twirlers, and field commander and percussion judges. And I know this is an important event from a financial standpoint mm -hmm. because uh, putting together a band like this and the various things that are involved in that, it takes money. It does take a lot of money, and this is our biggest fundraiser. We we can raise anywhere from $9,000 to $12,000 on this day alone, and it helps our boosters support our kids. And it brings a lot of people to Ripley, West Virginia. Yes, and a lot of those people really love to watch the bands. All right, well, thank you very much, and good luck on Saturday. Thank you. The Viking boys and girls cross-country team have a big event coming up in Louisville, Kentucky this Saturday. Now here from Viking runner Chase Pepper. It would be hard-pressed to find a better name for a cross-country runner than Chase. And we're talking with Viking cross-country runner Chase Pepper. Chase, thanks a lot for being with us. Thank you for having me here to interview. And tell me about uh, how long does your running career uh, go back? I understand you started at a pretty young age about eight years old so since second grade so you're going to a, a pretty big event this coming weekend in louisville kentucky tell us about the competition and the course that you'll be running at louisville the course is supposed to be pretty flat so it shouldn't be all too bad of a course and the competition up there is supposed to be really really good so with good competition flat course what types of goals have you set for yourself in this event I just want to try to get top 10 at this race and do my best. Now when it comes to the West Virginia cross country rankings, you've been ranked up around the top dozen or so runners in the state this year. Does that have to feel pretty good I guess as a sophomore? Oh yeah, it feels awesome. Okay, and you also have a twin brother who is an athlete at Ripley High School. And uh, although you look uh, a lot alike, I mean in the, in the fall, he plays football and you run cross country. In the spring, uh, you run track and he plays baseball. So you're both athletic and you both look a lot alike, but yet you're totally different when it comes to athletic backgrounds. Oh yeah, he would never run in his life, if, even if someone paid him. He's a major baseball player and football player. Chase, thank you so much for being with us and good luck this weekend in Louisville. Thank you. Lady Vikings soccer team coached by Stephen Gandy. They have a game on Monday night at home against Charleston Catholic. That will be the first of four consecutive home games for the Lady Vikings. Lady Vikings stand at 6-3-4 so far on the season. The boys soccer team coached by Tim Ross on a hot streak have won five of their last six. Their next game is Tuesday night versus Winfield. And their record on the season so far, 8-6-2. And you'll hear from the Viking goalie, Carter Casto, in this conversation with Mike Rubin. Well, in basketball season, he specializes in putting the ball in the net. But in soccer season, he specializes in keeping the ball out of the net. Our guest is Carter Casto. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, no problem. It's an honor. I've listened to a lot of the Viking 360 episodes, and I like them a lot. All right. You win it for soccer the first time. 
this year. Tell us about what went into that decision. Uh, I was actually at my house one weekend and they had an off-season tournament and my friends called me and they needed a goalie. So I decided to come out and play and I ended up liking it a lot and they convinced me to play during the season and I just stuck with it. Now let's talk about being a goalie. What are the most difficult things about being a goalie? I don't see the ball that much but when I do there's a lot of pressure and it can be really stressful sometimes when people take shots on you especially when it's a good team and they shoot on you a lot during one game. It's really mentally tough to take on that many shots during a game. And it seems like the Viking team is starting to gel now, maybe starting to uh, feel more comfortable as a team and, and playing better ball now. Yeah, we've really gotten a, we've changed our aspect during practice. We've completely changed everything up during practice and our chemistry is starting to get together a lot better. And as a team, we're just all really close friends and I think that's a big part of it. And I guess it had to be pretty satisfying picking up an 11-0 win over a big school like Parkersburg South. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a great experience. It made us all come together, and we felt great afterwards. We had a good time. Okay, Carter, thank you so much for being with us. Good luck for the rest of the season and in, with Viking Hoops as well. Thank you very much. As our podcast makes the transition from soccer to football, there's no one better qualified to help us do that than Brody Boyce. Tell me a little bit about your soccer team right now. You guys are closing in on sectional and regional play, and you're getting hot at the right time. Yeah, we started off kind of slow, but now that it's getting close to the end of the season, we're starting to pick it up in the right time, and we're starting to bring everything together, so it's starting to work out good for us. In soccer, you do an insane amount of running, okay? And it's been high to mid-90s for it seems like two, three months now. How hard has that been on you guys uh, just staying hydrated and, and keeping your physical conditioning where it needs to be? Well, it's not as hard as it seems because uh, we do a lot of running in practice too. But in the game, it is a bunch of running. So whenever we do get a break, like when we come out of the game or halftime, we drink as much as we can, relax as much as we can because it's back at it right when, we're, right when we get back in. So. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Talk about playing soccer and also playing football. You kick, you've returned kicks, you catch passes, you've played defense, you've done a little bit of everything for this Viking football team. Uh, how much fun has that been? Uh, from going to soccer where you can't like touch anybody to going to football and you can tackle people, do whatever, it's been amazing because you can take out whatever you want to on the field. It's so, it's so much fun. It's uh, organized and uh, it's organized violence is what I call it. And, you know, I've told kids, you know, if, if you want to take something out, go play football because you get that opportunity just like you were saying. How much has it been a stress on your time? I know you have school. You're a really good student. You've got both these sports you're playing right now. Uh, from a time perspective, how difficult has that been? Surprisingly, surprisingly not that much because um, there's not much to do other than sports because – other than that, it's just school and sleep, so i got to stay busy somehow, so this is easy. Tell me about this football team. You guys got a big win last week at Brook, a uh, chance to win again here this week against St. Albans. If you can even your record at 3-3 three and three going into the bye week, you give yourself a really good shot at, at making another run at the playoffs. Yeah, uh, if we get this win Friday, which I think we will because all this hard work we've been putting out, and, um, yeah, it will help us tremendously in the long run because it will give us momentum going into the 
end of the end of the season. So, yeah, I think we got this, and I think we'll be good in the end of the season. I know you're a baseball guy. You love baseball. You excel at baseball, just as you do soccer and as you have here in football. Uh, but has it really dawned on you yet? Uh, because baseball season's still a little bit away. This is your senior year, and, and this is kind of it for you. And you're halfway through football season and almost through the end of, of soccer season. Kind of crazy to think uh, that this is it. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. But, I mean, I wish I could have played more, like soccer, football, baseball. But hopefully I get more opportunity to play baseball after high school. And that's what I'm going for. But I'm ready for baseball season. I'm, I'm still ready for football and soccer. So I got the mindset right now, so I'm ready. Give us a preview of that baseball team. Uh, you're going to be a leader, as you were last year, but you'll be a senior, so it'll be a little bit different this year. Give us a preview of the 2019 Viking baseball team. Um, I think we're going to have a bunch of younger guys this year, but people are definitely going to need to step up, and I think it's going to happen. And our upperclassmen are definitely going to step up and grab the reins from where Dane and Tyler and the rest of the seniors left off. So I think we're going to be great this year. Brody, thanks for the time. Best of luck, man. Thank you. It's football time in Death Valley. Let's bring on the Vikings. Ripley and St. Albans have met 16 times on the football field. The first time being in 1933. Ripley was coached by Burt Govan, and that was the first year when Ripley was actually known as the Vikings. The rest of the games have been since 2001. The teams have split their games 8-8. Eight and eight. They have also split the last four meetings between the two teams. Ripley won by the score of 65-24 to during the playoff year of 2018. That game was played at Crawford Field. The Red Dragons are 0-5 on the season, having lost to Cabell Midland, Nitro, Greenbar East, George Washington, and most recently to Riverside, 50-12. Viking junior Matt Moore and coach Eddie Smolder take a look at last week's game at Brook and Friday night's game against St. Albans. Yeah, it was a great win for our, our team, our coaches and players and everybody involved. Um, you know, we had to go up there and travel three hours and, um, you know, our record was one and three and theirs was one and three and we knew somebody was going to get their second win and we had a great week of practice. Our kids played hard and, um, you know, number one, we played great defense. Number two, we protected the football and didn't have any turnovers. So that was the key in the game, and um, the outcome is what it is. And we're glad to get our second win. We're ready for St. Albans. Our kids know that they have a chance to even it up and um, get our third win and be 3-3 three and three going into our open week. So they're excited. It's been really hot this week at practice. They're pushing through it, and I'm proud of them for that. And we're excited to get kicked off. This week coming up, we talked about uh, St. Albans. Uh, they got a big, big front, a big offensive line. Not not as quick as we are up front. Uh, what are we going to have to do to, to get an advantage on these guys? So we, every week on the sled we work on our leverage, getting loyal on these guys. And just as long as we get our bodies between them and the ball carrier, I think we're going to put up 400 yards on these guys. Win this week, get back to 3-3, three and three, got a week off, It'd give you a lot of momentum headed towards Green Briars. Yeah, I think a big goal for us to be 3-3 three and three going to this bye week is a bit good to be going into homecoming 3-3, three and three, getting a nice win with East. Here's a man well-connected with Viking football. Both of his grandfathers played Viking football. His father played, he played, and now he coaches future Vikings. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by 
a good friend of mine and a Viking legend himself, Kenny Skeen. Kenny, thanks for being with me, bud. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Kenny, let's talk a little bit about playing days, man. I mean, you were one of the guys that uh, protected my backside on (laughs) field goal and PAT and all that good stuff. and. Uh, well, we had a lot of fun, man, playing for Coach Marino. And uh, tell me about your playing days and, and what you reflect upon that as uh, as a standout uh, offensive and defensive lineman. Um, well, you know, obviously that started with that '89 year when we uh, that undefeated season. Um, I think you started coming in and kicking that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that just got everything rolling right. We had a fantastic group of seniors that year. Um, we're talking about Leroy Kay and Kerry Randolph and a bunch of those guys. Um, who were great to come up and play under. You know, you were taught, some people, you, you hear stories about these nightmares of coming up and playing under some uh, upperclassmen. Where these guys, it was just fantastic. Um, not just a brotherhood, but, I mean, it was to the point where, well, I tell my kids all the time, my boys that I'm coaching now, that I've never seen a team that could be so close and yet fight every day <laughs> <laughs> that you're on the football field because everyone on that team wanted to win and they didn't want to win a game they wanted to win each individual play and so coming up as far as you know coming up the end of my freshman year but then that sophomore year was something special and that sort of got you into that competitive spirit and really into the Ripley uh, mindset in general as far as football was concerned talk about that season Kenny it's been 30 years ago man we're getting old we're getting old quickly um But what stands out to me, you talked about the the close-knit bond on that team. You talk about Kerry and Leroy. Those guys took me under their wing. I was 14 years old. I was a freshman uh, in high school. I had yet to set foot in a classroom when we played Parkersburg High because school started the next week. And those guys treated me like I had been by their side uh, all growing up. and there were many of them. Oh, there yeah. was all kind of guys oh, that, that were like that. And, and Aaron Stevenson and J.R. Stover and um, and Curtis. And I mean, this go you just go, went down the line. And every single one of those guys, Chris Martin. I mean, it was amazing. Um, it's like you said, we were the we were younger, we were coming up, but at the same time, that was also that year that was all the crazy haircuts. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Leroy and Kerry were the first ones to take you out as freshman, sophomore, whatever. And and their your hair was looking like their hair. I mean, it was just insanity at that point. But that was the whole thing. I mean, they br- they brought you into the fold, and that's part of the reason why that team was such a team. Um, that's the other thing I look back on that thing. It's not. It wasn't just the people, but it was the it was the the group mentality. Um, my my cousin had filmed all those uh, those games for us our senior year. And watching, just watching them come out of the huddle, you talked about Coach Marino, and there was a lot of things that people could say about Coach Marino, but man, that guy was a motivator. Mm-hmm. And he was a, we're going to look right and play right, and we're going to look like Ripley football. And so when you broke the huddle, it was sharp, and every guy on there had a sense of pride about that as far as coming out of the huddle. Um, looking right, coming down, and then just sticking it down your throat. I mean, that was just the mentality, just this toughness mentality, which I think we've always bred here in Ripley. I think that Ripley football, that's that's just what we're known for as far as win, lose, whatever, you're going to be in a fight whenever you come out of a game against Ripley. And, and it started there with those guys, but like you said, across the board, it was an amazing group of guys to play with. Um, I know my perspective on that Brook game, that home playoff game, how I felt coming out of there uh, and seeing all those people, the people standing on top of the restroom, standing on top of the concession stand. The extra bleachers that they had to bring in. 
do you recall much about that game? Do you? I still get chills talking about. I can. It. I mean, I can still remember coming out of there and seeing, like you're saying, the, the people standing on top of the the bathrooms because there wasn't anywhere else to be. The special bleachers that they brought in. I mean, the specifics of the game, I don't remember a whole lot. I remember Chris Martin going down, mm-hmm. um, and and Tommy Campbell, who was a stud in his own right. Came in and filled in in that spot in that, uh, well, I think we called it a two-back position back in that t- time. Um, and, but when you lose a starting fullback and, and a star inside linebacker, then you've got you've got problems. Um, and so, really, I mean, there's a lot of foggy memories about the game itself because I'm not one to remember specific plays for the most part, but I am one to remember how that feeling was when you came out of there in that cold night and the – and first round of playoffs, first time I think Ripley hosted a playoff game. I don't, I can't remember the time, any time before that. Um, and coming off of that undefeated season, you know, there were obviously there's expectations, but Brooke was a machine back then. Yeah, um, and we knew we were in for something. I think the only teams they'd lost to were out of state teams that year. Yeah. And, uh, but nevertheless, I mean, a heck of an experience. And like I said, it, it was just like you said, I mean, just hair yeah. standing on end when you walk down yeah. and coming through that gate. Amazing. And then you hear Mike Rubin say it's football time oh, in Death Valley. Gosh. I mean, that takes it to another level. Oh, my gosh. I miss the whole Death Valley thing. Yeah. I miss that. Um, yeah, that's – Rubes uh, – that's all I said. I went up – I didn't even think about it, going up to watch a Marshall game. And all of a sudden, I hear Rubes' voice across mm-hmm. that PA. And you get the same chills yeah. um, because, you you know, you were so used to that. It's football time in Death Valley. The band kicked in. Yeah. Heck of a band. I mean, and Ripley's back then, they were part of the motivational thing. When they got yeah. that music going and everything else, it was amazing. And, yeah, Rube's voice comes, and, and then all of a sudden the, the muscles tense up and you're mm-hmm. ready to roll. It was awesome. The kids talk about swag now, Kenny. You had swag before swag was cool. <laughs> you were the guy that had the cool haircuts. You had the Viking horn cut in your head. You had, I remember, TCBKS cut in the back of your head, taking Superman, care of business, Kenny Skeen. Um, you were the guy, man. Talk about that. How much fun was that for you? You just had fun playing ball no matter what the sport was. Dude, I, I really did. I mean, it was – and that was what it was about. It was completely about having fun, and, and I kind of liked the whole – the animosity even that you drew from the other side by bringing that out. I mean, I was the guy who I jacked my Jersey up. So (laughs) I mean, just to look that way. And I, and I wanted to bring that attitude. I wanted, and I, because I liked it. I liked it when other people kind of, you had, they, I wanted that chip on their shoulder because I was bringing, bringing that kind of attitude toward them. Yeah. The haircuts, the, the Michigan Wolverines shaved in the heads. <laughs> Kelly Fisher, she did me right, man. She, <laughs> she, she, she did, gave me a lot of free haircuts, and I think yeah. I was a walking billboard. Um, but, yeah, it'd be a matter of dying it. Now, my prom date, when I shaved the, the prom 92, in the, or the prom 91 in the back of my head, she wasn't thrilled. Um, but it was like I said, I mean, basketball, baseball. We had some heck, heck, yeah. baseball teams back in the day, too. That was when... Um, we sent the semifinals to the states, and you had uh, Mike Lawrence and and Mike McCune on the pitching mound, and and with success comes that swag. I mean, you sort of start walking a little taller when and um, when you've had that success. And granted, our next couple of years after that undefeated season weren't fantastic, but I will go back and say that there were some there were some good ball clubs we played yeah. back in that you know, in those days. Um, but it didn't matter. We didn't, I didn't, I've, I've said to people all the time, you know, coaching now, people say, how are we going to do this Sunday? I say, man, I always think we're going to win. Yeah. I don't care what the, yeah. the mentality is. I think we're going to win. I think yeah. we should win. I don't care what the, the reputation of anybody else is. 
And I think that's part of, and I and I also think that's a, it's a kind of a different swag depending upon the sport that you're playing. Um, basketball, it's just full blown swag. It is just you're going out there, and that's just the way it is. There's, everyone's closed in on you. You're the yeah. center of attention. When you got the ball, you got the ball. Yeah. Whereas in baseball, it's more of a chill swag. It's right. more of a you know you're taking things one pitch at a time, one play at a time. But you know that you're better than that guy in front of you, and. Yeah. And so that's how you approach it. But then with football, it's just um, I'm going out there and I'm going to stand taller than you and let's go at this and just battle all day. Talk about some of your uh, classmates. I mean, it was you, Cart Goodwin, Tommy, Tommy. Uh, Campbell, Pat Anderson, right. guys you were close with that you guys competed and fought and battled with. Oh, yeah. Tommy Campbell. I mean, this and we're talking from our midget league days. You're talking about – you know, Tommy Campbell, Jason Ranson came back and played center for us that year. He'd been a lifetime, you know, center for us growing up, and he kept take a couple of years off. Came back and played center and did a great job with that. Um, Ryan Wells, uh, Cart Goodwin, um, Simon was with us there for a while. Um, we had uh, Pat Anderson, who man, you talk about a competitor. That guy, he he's another one of those guys who wanted to win every plays. And when I went back when we were talking about being sophomore, he was also one of those guys who was involved in a fight about every other day because he wanted to win every play. Right. Tommy Campbell's the same way, man. That guy would light you up. Um, no one better to lead block and no one better to get you three when you needed three. Um, plus a mean inside linebacker. Um, yeah, then you had – I mean, then you had, like, your, your kind of your unsung heroes, like your Tony Knops. I mean, mm-hmm. your guys who were in there that were just tough guys who were you, – you stuck in there and you plugged them in. Travis Ransom, um, guys who, again, we played together our entire lives. And these guys uh, – when and, and a lot of them we called farm strong. You know, yeah. it wasn't a whole lot of going in and lifting weights and doing that kind of thing back then, but – Tell you what, Tony Knopp was one of the strongest yeah. guys I was ever again, and you don't hear his name a lot. There's not families, you know, they've come through all these sports, um, but that guy would just give you a beating if you let him. Um, but yeah, and and those carried over into other sports too. Again, now there's a whole lot more focus on single sport athletes, yeah. um, whereas back in those days there were a whole lot of transition athletes. I mean, as far as people, you you carry that over into. Tommy and I played baseball together. Cart and I played basketball together. Um, and yeah, I think you had a little bit more of that as far as that went. Um, but, and again, I, I wouldn't trade the group of guys that I came through with and above and below me. I mean, you were a year below me, um, but you and Clifton Landis and that group of guys. And we were just talking about uh, Shamblin the other day. I can't Jonathan, Jonathan Shamblin. That, that guy, yeah. as far as a guy who, when I was starting through, he was he was just over there, you know, sort of on the practice squad. But he'd give you all you wanted all the time. Same way with Clifton Landis, hard-nosed guy. So, um, yeah, the, the, and, the, and the friendships, and that's the thing. I can look at those guys now, can see them out, and it – 20, 30 years later, haven't missed a beat yeah. um, because that's the way it was back then, and that's the way you still feel about those guys. Can he spin all that forward now to you and your involvement with Midget League football <laughs> and, and what that's meant to you and, and carrying on a legacy here and you kind of giving back to the community a little bit? Um, yeah, I, 15 years now. This is my 15th season. Um, kind of got dragged into it in the beginning by scott ranson they needed a c team well actually the first person to come was ronnie ratliff um ronnie was coaching a c team asked if i'd come out and help him out so we're talking about the back in the days when preston martin and um jake martin and those guys were on c teams so this is a long time ago and i'm 
I'm, I'm really scared of the day when I have to coach one of the kids, kids that I coached. <laughs> but there is nothing more rewarding than seeing your guys come through and then they step on that high school football field and, this, and, and bring that success with them. Um, and I'm being a little modest, but we've, we had, we've had some, some success as far as that yeah. goes. I think in our first 12 years, we won 11 championships and we appeared in the 12th um, and just had an incredible group of guys a whole lot of times coming through there. Um, and, and you remember each of them for their defenses, their offenses. I mean, I can still, I can still remember, you know, the Chris Jordan and the Chance Ranson defense that were, they were, they were our corners and those guys were just, there was, they, they not get to play much because everything was so tough on the inside. You had Vanessa and you had Kurt. Pursley and a bunch of the and the the um, Morgan twins, um, and it really has been. I, I, after I came back here, you know, never had a kid playing, which also sort of benefited me as a coach. So yes. you never had that uh, the, the accusations of uh, you know the the family favorite or the, right. the the coach's son getting the thing. So that always took the weight off my shoulders. I I just want them to learn football, be the best that we can be, earn positions out there. And, you know, and maybe this isn't the most uh, popular opinion as far as this goes, but I like that in our youth football system that it's the one sport that the, it isn't the mandatory playing time. It is an earnest spot. Now, I am all for mandatory playing time and in all kind baseball, basketball, all those other sports, I think absolutely get everyone out there. Football, it's a little bit different because there's a risk of injury. There's a risk of, I mean, where people who aren't quite ready to get out there and play against some of these other 11 that, that the other teams are fielding. But nevertheless, um, it's a matter of earning a spot and the pride in getting that position and taking it out there. And that's what we've always tried to teach as far as this goes. Now, at the same time, obviously, we're going to get the kids out there who come and show up and want to play because that's what, what it's all about as far as youth football is concerned. But I've always also, I mean, that's the part I've enjoyed about, that's the one aspect as far as these sports, and I've coached all of them. I mean, mm-hmm. I've coached basketball, and I've coached baseball. Football's the one I've stuck with. Um, but it has been a matter of, um, well, just pride in Ripley. Pride in Ripley football and trying to teach that toughness. This is what we bring throughout. And like I said, when we last year, and all the props in the world to the, the high school coaches and getting these guys ready, but when you see a team that's you know two games deep into the playoffs and you coached you know twenty out of those twenty two starters, then there's some pride in that. There's some instinct thinking that you you did have something to do with continuing the Ripley football tradition. Plus, you know these kids love them. They're my brothers for the rest of my life. I still get phone calls from them. Still get happy you know Merry Christmas wishes and and everything else and. Um, and as tight as I can be as with these guys, as with some of the guys that I played with when, when right. I played. Yeah. So it's an, it's an amazing way to get back. So You talk about family, and before I let you go, I know your family, very important to you, how much they mean to you. We recently lost your dad. I know that's been tough for you. Um, he was our baseball coach a couple of times. I played on teams with you. Uh, but just talk about how important they have been to you throughout growing up and then even now as, as an adult. Um, and, you know, it's, and, and a lot of that came from, and not just more, you know, it, it going outside of the sports realm here, which my family was heavily, you know, deep into the, the Ripley sports as far as that went. I mean, I, it, when you came in here, we were looking at the plaque where my two grandfathers were on the plaque from the 1932 uh, football team from Ripley. And then uh, my dad and my uncle obviously came back here and played after they'd gone to Moundsville. 
Um, and my uncle was a standout here. Uh, Dick Rader ends up going to play in WU. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know what it's like to live elsewhere. I don't know what it's like to grow up anywhere else, but I know here your last name and it's something to be proud of as far as it's, you know, when you grow up in a small town, people know a scheme, people know a Raider, people know a Johnson, people know whatever. And there's going to make that association. You grow up in New York city, Manhattan, whatever. It doesn't mean anything as far as that's concerned. And so not that you should rely upon your name. You should want to defend that name and you should want to, you know, make people continue to be proud of that name. And, and if, or, or remove any black marks that you might have from it, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that was really what was instilled to me as far as family was concerned and why family was so important. Um, I mean, I remember having the plaque over my bed that had my last name on it. And there was a, a, a thing on there that dad had, had on there that, you know, this is the only one you get, defend it, um, make it right. And that was our mentality and our, across our family, as far as I was concerned. And that's, I think why family has been so important to me, just because it's not about what I do. It's about what people have done before me and making sure you don't screw that up. Um, and to, to improve upon it if you can. Um, and, and I think that from being from a small community, that's that kind of tags along with that. Um, of course, my mom's a mayor, um, and no more Ripley Pride in the, in the world than Carolyn Raider and Ripley Pride and and the Raider family. Um, and my great grandfather was was the mayor here back in the day. Um, and so, obviously, that's just always been a sticking point with us. Um, and it, I'm not saying that anyone ever was went out there and said, "Don't embarrass your family." That right. wasn't what it was. Yeah. It was just understood this is you know this is what this is who you are now we, we've given you all we can go out here and do what it with, with it and you just want to make them proud um and whatever you do be it academics be it sports whatever that's that's what the family thing has always meant to me kenny thanks so much for the time man Con- appreciate you having me. continued success Absolutely. in with the little league uh, and then also in your business as well it's always great to catch up with a viking legend yeah man thank you so much That'll do it for episode 38 of Viking 360. Thanks for listening. Until next time, we'll see you around. Remember, for all the news on the blue, go anywhere you can find podcasts, search Viking 360, hit the subscribe button, and turn on your notifications.